Undefeated no more. All we heard about the Italians, the Italian mob, Bernadetti, Insigne, Bonucci, Arrivederci, Vinovitovici. It doesn't matter when you're playing against one of the best home teams in the league. Sayonara. How you doing, Chris? Uh, okay. I mean, I don't I mean, know I if Sayonara means is Italian. Definitely, definitely, definitely not Italian, but we'll go with it. We'll go with it. How you doing, Chris? I'm good, man. A lot happier. You know, like I mentioned in the last podcast, we were able to walk away with a win. Not as many points as I thought we scored, but the right amount of points we needed, which was the three for the dub. That's for sure. Uh, it, it was an awesome game. We had – that's the that, – I feel like, at least in a while, that my, I can't remember when was the last time I saw the, the, the crowd as packed as it was. I felt like the energy was there, the amount of people was there, the parking yeah. lot was for sure packed getting out of there. So it felt like I was surprised when I saw how many people were actually at the stadium. Yeah, man. I mean, if and from our view, you know, on the other side of the supporter section, I mean, the supporter section looked more packed, I think, than I've ever seen ever yeah. going to to the stadium. So that was that was beautiful. By the way, Sayonara is uh, is is used in a farewell for Japanese. So I was completely off. I figured it was Japanese. I just didn't want to put my foot in my <laughs> mouth like you did. But uh, yeah. we'll go with it. But like I was saying, everybody was talking about this Italian powerhouse that was coming in. It's basically the Italian national team, which is a bit of an exaggeration. But, you know, they were undefeated since Cicigny and Bernarducci joined the team. We gave them their first loss. And I was looking into it. Did you know that Inter Miami has the third best home record in the league? The only wow. two teams that have the only two better home teams are Philadelphia and LAFC. So That's, we have a real home field advantage. Yeah, I mean, and it's funny because in all the interviews and everybody always talks about how we do have, uh, you know, that special sauce as far as home field is concerned. And everybody typically talks about the heat. I mean, you know, Orlando deals with the same sort of Florida heat as well. But, uh, yeah, it's just something different, I guess, in the mix down here in, in South Florida. So, Well, I think we definitely benefited from the fact that Toronto had a short week because they played last weekend, then they played on Wednesday, then yes, they played sir. again on Saturday. And those Italians aren't used to having to do two quick games like that and then come back and play in the South Florida heat. So I'm sure that had a little bit to do with it. But regardless, we got the three points. We got what mattered. And before we get into the Toronto game, a couple updates. Update number one. Although we asked for Abuelitas, we didn't get them. No, but I, I can no longer anything. complain. No, no, but I can't complain because my wife went to get some coffee. She left in the 40th minute like she usually does. By the time I met her at halftime, she was already sitting down drinking on her coffee. So the efficiency definitely took a step up. The I taste don't know if also. I mean, the taste probably stepped up. I didn't try any coffee, so I, I wouldn't tell you if the coffee was any good or not this time. But one thing that I do see is that they're more efficient which means that they're not front-facing the abuelitas. Maybe some abuelitas came and put a training program in place 
so that way the gringos can be able to make the coffee a little faster because one of them was the same guy and the other guy was just some rando. Well, it's funny because it couldn't be more contrary to what we want. We want an uh, old Cuban abuelita and we have a young white gringo making the coffee. Exactly. But like I said, it didn't taste bad. It tasted a lot better. It might also be because I wasn't frustrated because when I drank it two weeks ago, I was a bit frustrated how long I waited. So you know when you have that bitter taste in your mouth already? Yes. Nothing's really going to taste good. So I'm sure that had a lot to do with it also. But no abuelitas, but definitely a better experience at Bustelo this week. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, at least they put an abuelita to, 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 I don't know if they're, you know, creating the recipe for them and training, but, you know, it counts. One thing that I wanted to go over in this podcast, and it's very, very important, and I want I want all of you guys to listen, okay? Uh, when it comes to leaving the, I mean, where we're when we're in the arena, we are all hashtag La Familia. Everybody is super happy. Everybody is excited. But when it comes to leaving the stadium, I mean, you tell no me. No longer La Familia? No I, longer La Familia. A, I never have an issue. I don't know. I usually run out of there pretty quickly. Well, this time, I I usually try to stay a little bit longer, let all the crazy people go first. But I mm-hmm. said, you know what? Let's try to get out of the, the, the stadium a little faster, which was the worst thing because I ended up staying there for like 40 plus minutes <laughs> waiting to leave. And I was literally battling for every inch in front of my vehicle. And so we need to set some rules. OK, it's just like in life. You're driving free for all. It's a free for all. There's well, nobody directing traffic there. No, there and is not I mean, inside. No, inside the parking lot, there's nobody directing traffic. Once you leave to the street, there is, but inside, it's a free for all. I usually cut through parking spaces. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what you have to do in order to gain the advantage because oh. in the beginning, when you get in, there's tons of help. But at the yeah. end, it's literally a disaster. A free for all. It's a free for all. It, it's so a waffle house. I'm, I'm proposing a parking exit rule. One in, one out, right? You drive, you let one car in, that other car you got to know, Bobby, get behind. And if everybody does that smoothly, everybody will be able to leave the stadium. No problems. I literally had like seven pickup trucks thinking that they were going to go in front of me. I'm sorry, brother. I don't care what kind of vehicle you're driving. You're not getting into this little space here. The people watching don't realize that you have a crazy amount of road rage and you are not the person that should be making rules, but you should be the one following them because you have an abundance of road rage. And I, I think that we sh- you should probably start taking the bright line. Have you ever considered taking the bright line? I've actually considered taking the bright line, but with everything that I've seen online and the bright line running into cars and stuff, I don't know. If no, that's such an I haven't heard about idea. that happening. No, uh, I've, I've seen a couple of videos on, uh, on, on no, one you of the, haven't. Yeah, I have. I'll, I'll send you no, one after. I'll send no, you. no, this, this is baloney. I don't believe them. All right, <laughs> and uh, before, I mean, one bit of one more bit of news. Phil Neville, American? Is, is that what he said? He said he's American now. Yeah, yeah. He mentioned it in his interview that uh, you know he. I guess he uh, became a U.S. citizen. No, and... he didn't become a U.S. citizen. He got his green card. He in Amer- He's a resident. Oh, he's a re- okay. All right. So he mentioned that he's American because he got his residency. Yeah. Oh, nice. yeah, I, I kept hearing that he was a citizen. I was like, that's not true. He just got his green card. He, he doesn't need a work permit anymore. Well, I mean, he's, he's just... considered, I mean, he considers himself American. One of the things that he mentioned, what was it that he mentioned about a breakfast? Was it pancakes? Oh, that, that, 
No, that, that Americans eat fruit with their breakfast. Where do they do that? I well, you know, I I don't like fruit in my breakfast. I eat the hard. I don't stuff. think who who the only people that do that are people that eat breakfast at the Biltmore. I have never seen anybody eat fruit with their breakfast. Yeah, I I don't do that. I mean, I don't even put fruit in my cereal. That, I think that's already weirdo stuff right there. I mean, honestly, do you eat fruit at all, Chris? Let's be honest. I do. I love apples. I love grapes. Green apples, to be specific, or what are they? Granny Smith apples. I have no idea. Shout out to the green apples out there. Red apples, you're super overrated. (laughs) All right. So let's get on to the nitty gritty. Toronto. So we finally uh, showed up in forces. We only had 14,000 at the stadium, surprisingly, because I felt like there was a whole lot more people out there. Yeah. But I felt like in the first half, we played pretty well. And we got that first goal off of your boy. Yes, your boy, your boy, Mota. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Mota, you you couldn't predict a bigger blast than Mota from half court. I mean, I, of course, I'm, I'm saying half court because I'm referring to basketball. But, I mean, this was a beautiful hit. He just comes up, strikes it from right outside of the – right. well, a little bit, maybe 10 feet outside of the box. And the goalies just got butterfingers, you know. They call him no-no, uh, but I guess he don't know how Bono. to hold on to a ball. Mono. Yeah, yeah, Bono, and they call and the fans call him No No, I guess, because he's like some spectacular goalie. He didn't show it there on that one. Uh, that's that's news to me. I had never heard that one before. Yeah, yeah, I was I was looking on Instagram, and a bunch of people were like railing against the Inter Miami fans, like, "Ah, oh, you guys got lucky. We had more shots on goal." Blah. Like, all right, take advantage of your shots, buddy. Well, we'll get into that because that was in the second half where they really started taking advantage. But I feel like in the first half we had a pretty good game. Uh, Mota is man, Mota's been playing really well recently. Uh, and he had his his trademark outside the box shot. And <laughs> honestly, like, like I obviously it had some power behind it for it to pop up the way it did, but I think it was oh, yeah. more the spin on the ball or something because the way that the goalie kind of just stuck his hands out and he didn't really punch out at the ball, he kind of just let it hit his hands. I, I, we're sitting right behind that goal. And when I saw that shot, I was like, damn it, man. He just shot it right at the goalie. At no point that I really expected to pop up and then just float into the back of the net like it did. Well, right where I was sitting from, and I'm just going to go ahead and play this back again. You know, they inbounds the ball. Uh, they end up passing it straight to him while he's just sitting there in the middle waiting for it. Bam, he kicks it over. I was behind the goal. And I yeah, saw I see, I see you there standing, jumping up and down. Yeah, and I see the goalie. He's getting ready to catch it, but you could just tell that he doesn't have a good grip on it. And, you know, one of the things that I've noticed about Mota in in the recent games is that he has essentially been a little bit more, I don't want to say reserved, but he's been more selective with his shooting. He, He has better shot selection recently. So I feel like maybe a couple games ago, he was just kind of off the hinges, just bam, bam from outside. But I feel like now he's starting to pick his spots a little better. You know, in this play, right before the inbounds, or the throw-in, uh, I forgot what it was exactly that happened. I think Robert Taylor missed Iguain on a pass, and Iguain started throwing up his hands complaining. And I was like, yeah. oh, no. No, don't do this again. Because it's been a while yeah. since I've seen Iguain do that. But luckily, seconds later, that I mean, we got that goal. But, man, I, I was worried at first. And then when Iguain got that ball, he's, he laid off that, that pass to Mota. 
I didn't see Mota originally, and I, I was there in person. It's not on TV. It looks even worse because when yes, you watch that does. replay, yes, it does. You, you're like, where the hell is he passing that ball to? And then Mota shows up. But when I was watching it live, I was like, where the hell did he just throw this ball? And Mota came absolutely out of nowhere with his rocket leg, I guess. And I, I think that the, a lot of luck. But again, every team gets lucky. It's about time we start getting lucky, also. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, we the ball has to bounce towards us at some point, and it. it figuratively it literally bounced towards the goal for us so yeah. luckily we were able to get that goal i mean that was a hell of a kick so you know kudos to to mota for getting his blaster now soon thereafter like what was it like five not even 10 minutes after insignia had a beautiful volley goal and but outside of this i mean i know that they had a lot of opportunities technically because they had shots on goal but i felt like the defense held, held them down pretty tightly well, and if you notice, the defense was was holding them down very, very well. The defense, in my opinion, played uh, the best that we've seen in 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 a in a while, a, a long time. And so, I'm I'm gonna re rewind the play one more time, just so that way the viewers can be able to see it, and I'll describe it. You know, this was essentially a shot from one of the other players. I forgot what Bernaduce. his last name is. Yeah, and it's, it's just in the air, and then yeah, and Insigne comes in and just times it perfectly and blasts it. I mean, at that point, there's really no fault that you can put on the defenders, on the goalie. That was just a play that was, I mean, that was a beautiful shot by Insigne. I mean, he timed it, couldn't have timed it any any better than he did. I mean, look, look at what's happening here, you know? When, when this goal went in, I was convinced that if we were going to win this game, we had to score three or four goals. Oh yeah, like that, that's where I thought this was headed. I was like, "This is what we said. It was going to be high scoring, the first twenty minutes of feeling out, and then here come the goals." And I really thought that that's where we were going. I would have never expected that the game to end with two one at all. And and I didn't expect it either. To be perfectly honest, when when that goal occurred, I thought the same thing that this had to have been a high scoring game if you really want to kind of get the lead on Toronto because they were firing at 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 any given point. And to, to go against a team who's been hitting out the box, you know, for the last couple games, you know, that's a scary situation to be in, especially shooting from outside the, the box like that. Now, a lot of people were, were saying that Pozuelo didn't do too much this game. And, I mean, I guess technically I didn't really notice him doing too much, but he did have that key pass in, uh, in that second goal where Mota kind of just passes it into Pozuelo. And I, I, that was a beautifully drawn up play, no? Yeah, and it was, and and it's funny because Phil Neville mentioned it on his interview about the set plays. I think Damian Lowe talked about it a little bit more. You know, he described it a little bit more how they've been practicing it. Um, you know, it was definitely a great play, and and they've been doing really poorly in set plays. So to see this, it's uh, it helps out a lot. It definitely and helps it's, out. It's funny you say that because a lot of people say that we don't score or do too many uh, productive things on set plays, but I did hear Phil Neville say. That they consider throwing set plays, and they've they had both of their goals, one off of a set piece and the other one off, off of a throw-in. Yep. So he said that we consider throw-in set plays also. So, and they are. I mean, I, I mean, technically they are, and I'd have to look back because I don't know how many throw-in goals they technically have. So I mean, if you put that into account, maybe they do have more than we realize as far as set pieces go. Um, and they have to stop doing the gritty. I feel like that has been played out. <laughs> is that not the most overused? I think that that is the most overused celebration since the dab. Remember the dab? 
Yes. Everybody. Yes. For everybody, how long? For a good calendar year. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> I'm happy for Lasseter, though, man. I think he, he needs yeah. this kind of stuff. He really needs oh, this, sure. especially with the pressure coming in from Coco. You know, at some point, he's going to start seeing minutes. Um, you know, I really think that Lasseter is, is is you know, he's in need of, of this success. So when Coco comes back, who's the odd man out? Is it Lasseter or is it Emerson? Well, and it's, uh, I mean, I, I, think I, 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 know, I know who it is. But I just want to hear you say it. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be Emerson. I mean, the, he's got to get, yeah, I mean, he's got to get his time, but he's just not going to get a lot of time when it comes to uh, when it comes to Coco making a comeback. So, I don't know. I, don't I mean, know. to be yeah. I have my own opinion about Coco, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that when he starts to get some playing time. Coco has played 10 minutes with us. And I don't like 10 him. Minutes. He, 10 minutes, and he had a game-winning assist. And you're going to say you don't like him? I don't was know, that a game winning or a game tying? No, it was a game tying assist. It was against Cincinnati, so it was a game tying assist. I don't know, man. I'm not a. I don't know. We'll we'll talk about that when he gets more minutes. You don't like Coco Beware? All right. I don't. So, I don't right now, I'm not a big. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. Hashtag well, not a fan. Well, we uh we took the lead into the half, and again, even at halftime, I was still thinking we're gonna have to score way more goals in order to win this game. And that second half, it was it was a little weird. Um, I felt like we didn't play our best offensively, but I thought defense, Damian Lowe, I thought, had the best game he's had since the Orlando game when he hit that own goal. Because yeah. that game where he scored that own goal, I remember thinking to myself, up until that moment, Damian Lowe has had one hell of a game. He probably would have made team of the week that week if it wasn't for that own goal. Yeah, and then I felt shame. like he really – I don't know if it was his confidence or what, but he kind of dropped off after that game. But, man, this past weekend, man of the match. I, I don't think – I think Mota won man of the match technically, but I think it was Damian Lowe. He had one hell of a game. I saw him intercepting passes. He was the main outlet for Drake Hallander because they were pressing high. I felt yes. like Damian Lowe had a very underrated performance. And, and, I mean, he got team of the week honors, so I guess he did get some credit, but – I don't think man, enough people are talking about it. Oh, and I and you, I think you're right about that. Not enough people are talking about it because a lot of the focus was put on to you know Toronto and their play. You know, to 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 some of the people that are covering this game, it's more about what Toronto didn't do more than it is what Inter Miami did defensively against. And them. I heard a lot about them being gassed and ah, shut up. Look, yeah, I'm I sure mean, that they were tired, but. Every soccer player has to deal with that. I mean, my, you know, Inter Miami just had to go through a brutal road schedule. So what? Can we be able to chalk it up to, you know, frequent flyer mileage? And I will say that I, I'm look. I brought it up like 10, 15 minutes ago that maybe we benefited from them having that short week. But if you really think about it, like I said it because it's cliche, and I said it, and I regret saying it now that I think about it. Because when you think <laughs> about it. These are athletes that are taking care of, like, this isn't like the 1990s or even the early 2000s. Now, they're, they have special chefs. They have, like, uh, the best facilities. Weird, yeah, they have some weird chambers where they put their body in, like, basically an ice chamber or, like, some, uh, that, uh, what's that guy's name from Batman? Uh, I'm slipping my mind, but they, they like go into these chambers that, that like recuperates their bodies, their muscles. Like, I don't believe in any of this, them being tired stuff. 
out of here. They're professional athletes in 2022. Like, don't give me that. We won and we get no credit because they were tired. Because it looked like they were busting their ass at the end of the game. Well, and speaking of futuristic machines, I don't know if you picked up on the Campana uh, story that he posted. Uh, no, I didn't. He was in a... He was in like a future. I mean, I wish I would have saved it, man. He was like in a futuristic treadmill where he had like a wrap around his waist and it kept him in place as he was running to sort of show like, hey, I'm making my comeback. Uh, you know, that's another player that I can't wait to see, you know, with the with the trend that we've been making. It's it's ridiculous. You know, I'm curious how he fits into this whole thing. And Mr. Yeah. Freeze is the villain I was thinking about from Batman. Mr. Freeze. <laughs> Um, I, yeah, I'm kind of curious as to how Campana fits into this whole thing, because I feel like Iguain up top with Pozuelo, it's been working great. I like, I didn't like so much that Bryce Duke came off the bench. I kind of like him playing with Pozuelo most yeah, of the game. I like but, it as well. But, you know, Lasseter was in there. Robert Taylor was in there. I, I just don't see where Campana is going to fit unless they're going to put two up top and, and bench Lasseter and Bryce Duke. But I don't think that they're going to do that either. I, I don't know what Phil Neville's going to do when Campana comes back. Well, he's definitely got a good sort of dilemma to deal with. Well, um, definitely a good problem to have, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And and But one of the things that I thought hurt, and talking about Bryce Duke, as far as when he came into the game, because him and Emerson came in fairly around the same time, and a lot of people were talking about how it felt sort of clunky. They weren't really effective. And to me, it felt that way, that they, it was very clunky as far as when they came in. Usually you expect sort of a, a rejuvenation when you get some players off the bench, especially Bryce Duke and Emerson. And it just felt really weird. It didn't feel like it like it gelled. I, but I think to a certain extent, it was by design. I felt like at that point when they got into the game, we were more defending to win the game and prevent the goal than we were to attack. I felt like we were playing the counterattack. Like we weren't trying – like Bryce Duke is uh, a creator. He holds the ball in yeah. the midfield. He creates – and I don't think we were at that point looking for him to do that. We were just trying to counterattack. So defend, 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 get the ball, counterattack. And that's where Emerson came in. And I think Emerson did what he was supposed to do. Yeah. I know he got criticized. Our boy Wilson uh, was criticizing him for, for doing some boneheaded plays. But I feel like Emerson was kind of like – it was almost like running out the clock in football. Yeah. Where you just get the ball and you just run out the clock. Emerson would just get the ball and just beeline it. It was almost like playing the field position game in, in a football yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. like, let's get the ball out of the box, but instead of kicking it out of our own side, let's just get Emerson to run it over to the other side and yeah. just run some time off. Because that's what I felt was happening after a while. Because Emerson was just running like his, he had nobody there to support him, and he was just taking three or four guys on. I felt like it was, it, it, I felt like it was almost by design. So, am I sure that that's what it was? No, but that's what it felt like to me. At least that's what it looked like, for sure. I mean, if you want to play more defensive, I don't think it would have been a good idea to bring on Emerson. I think maybe bringing on Victor Uyoa or... or um, Uyoa did come in, though. Yeah, he came in a little bit later. Or bringing in, like, Joven Jones, you know, uh, more defensive-minded midfielders, I guess. Yeah, but um, when, you, when, you, when you're looking at the counterattack, somebody with the pace of, of Emerson is always good yeah. to have. Well, and I think that Phil Neville mentioned it in his uh, in his post game that the reason that he did that is because, or the reason he didn't bring in so much, so many defenders or drop down so many is because he didn't want to get sort of stuck in the quicksand 
where now you're just stuck defending, defending, defending. And I think he made the right choice because the last team you want to sort of be stuck in the quicksand with is Toronto because they'll catch you with your pants down from outside the box. But I, but the last 20, 25 minutes, it felt like that. It felt like it's like, yeah, we're playing the counterattack and Emerson's making these runs. But after he gets done with the runs, here comes Toronto again. Oh, yeah. And let's get it done. And it was rough. And they were really pressing, man. Drake Callender, like for all the criticism he gets for his footwork, he really got out of some tough spots. There yeah. was a spot where, I don't know if it was Yedlin, but somebody passed it to the to low, low back to the to the fullback. And I think he passed it back to whatever it was. I know that Drake received the ball, and there was a Toronto player on his Right ass. on him, yes. I remember and, that. And I, and, and I remember I thought to myself, holy crap. But he he made a beautiful pass, I think, up to uh, to Gregory or somebody up there in, in the midfield. Yeah. And he he got out of a lot of pickles. And I don't think that we're giving him enough credit for the improvement he's made because Toronto was pressing really high, and we managed to work our way out of those presses and not commit a, a stupid mistake. Because I mean, we've been prone to make some stupid passes that end up costing us when they when yeah. people press us high. And 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 one of those things that happened. I mean, at the end of the game, it was it, it was kind of scary to be able to see to see Toronto on the attack every so often. I know that you you saved up a uh, you told me about a last second scare, you know, that happened in the game. And yes. Yeah. So, go ahead. Let, let, let's get into that. Let, let's wrap up this Toronto game. Now, it was great, right? Everybody, as soon as the ninety minutes hits. I see three minutes left, so I set my phone, boom, three minutes, I know it's <laughs> three-minute talk. So the three minutes are up. I know this is basically the last play. And when this happens, I don't know about you, but I thought we had just blown this W. Look at look at Bryce Duke throw his leg out in front of Bernaducci. Tell me that that, that doesn't look like it's about to get caught. And this is the scariest part. For those of you watching on YouTube, look at the referee with his with his finger on his ear. He's not blowing the whistle for the end of the game. It looks like, hey, should I review this on VAR? And in my mind, that's it. That's it. Here go our three points. That was terrifying. Look, I love Bryce Duke, but holy crap, was this like? Look at him. That that's a boneheaded. That's a boneheaded move. I mean, I understand why he did it. He probably wanted to try to block some sort of a kick. <sighs> into the goal but you know it was a boneheaded play right there well i i mean i held my breath i saw the referee put his finger to his ear i was convinced that this is going to be a penalty kick and drake calendar is either going to have to be the hero or bryce duke is going to get blamed zero yeah because up until that point people were saying bryce duke isn't playing well so if you don't play well this game whether it be by design or not and then on top of that you cost us the w uh well, That's you know, be a rough look. Well, one thing I wanted to mention was the referee, Pierre Luc Lausire. Okay, okay, okay. This referee, I by far, has been the best referee I've seen ref a game for Inter Miami. One thing I got to give him a lot of credit for, and I don't know how long he's been refing for, or what kind of ref he is, or his backstory, but whoever he is, I love the fact that he let the boys play. He let the boys play. He didn't give out a lot of yellow cards. I think it might. I think he only gave out one yellow card on the 56th minute to Bernarducci. Um, 
Which but is other, wild because we had 15 fouls, and somehow we yes. got 15 fouls and no yellow cards, which is yeah. pretty surprising. Yeah, and so I love the fact that he just let the guys play, man. Just play. And and he didn't call him, he didn't call much. He calmed everybody down. I think around like the 70th minute, he kind of stopped play, let everybody focus on the ball, and he asked everybody, hey, chill the out, uh, you know, chill out. No more horse playing. So I think that was good refing by by your boy uh Luke Lauzier out here. Not my boy. I didn't even know who the guy was. Yeah, he's my boy. There's another ref <laughs> that I saw earlier in the season that's really good, but this guy's my boy. All right. So Miami is riding a hot streak, right? We got uh the last five games unbeaten. The last seven games since Ponsuelo got there have been looking pretty good. And I don't know you were telling me some stats right here about since Ponsuelo showed up. So I was just looking at some of the some of the you know games in the past couple weeks and and one thing i wanted to mention was uh in the since losing to nycfc back in july to, on the 23rd of july so the last five games since then we've been three wins zero losses and two ties we're talking about a total of 11 points that we've been able to make up in those last five games that the just that's that to me is is astronomical it's magisterial yeah. <laughs> well and, and then since, oh go ahead, go ahead no no go ahead you were gonna say no i was gonna say since Posolo showed up iguain's been balling iguain has how many goals in the in the seven games that, that Posolo's played iguain has five goals and two assists that's a point per game yep that's, and let me tell you, that matters a lot because even looking back at the last seven games since Pozuelos joined the team, we're 4-1-2 and two with the only loss, uh, you know, that NYCFC. we had. NYCFC. Yes, against NYCFC, which in is... That, in that sandbox. Yes, in the sandbox, which is not typical because Pozuelo typically plays very well against NYCFC. As you saw in the last game that they played against NYCFC, which was beautiful. Um, but these are these are wins that we've been taking care of and collecting points off of. And look, I mean, it's like the video you put up, and I, I want everybody to go to our Instagram, our, our, our Twitter, anywhere to watch it because the fact that Pozuelo is resuscitating Iguain and this <laughs> inner Miami team is just something so golden to watch. Uh, man, but, but, uh, it's the Pozuelo effect. I mean, it, 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 it just is what it is. And, you know, there was – we were talking about it a couple episodes ago that we hadn't scored a goal in the first half. Yeah. It was like two months that we went without scoring a goal in two halves. Since we broke that streak, we have eight goals in the first half. Yeah, man. That's it, – it, it's, it's a completely different team. I, I've come to the point where I feel like any team that comes to play us in Miami, I feel like we have a great chance to win. Like yeah. I, I always like, we do predictions at the end of every episode. Yeah, I can't imagine predicting that we won't win for any home game. Road games, different story. But home games, I feel so confident that this team will somehow pull out a W, whether it be a late game heroic, or even just save a draw. We're not going to lose at home. And and it's it's really really comfortable, like you mentioned in the beginning, to say that because with the way that we that we've been playing at home is is out of this out of this world yeah. and actually now that we're talking about how we're playing at home let's, let's get into the standings before we get into some other talk the standings uh we are unfortunately we sniffed what was it fifth place 
yeah. for like 24 for hours. <laughs> for 24 hours. And then Orlando managed to pull out a, a late goal to beat, um, was it? Was that Atlanta that they were playing? Yes. No, it wasn't Atlanta. No, they were. Was it Atlanta? No, Wait, they played about, they, they, uh, yeah, Orlando, Orlando played Charlotte, Atlanta. Atlanta played, no. Played Columbus. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right, you're right, you're right. And it, it was looking like they were both headed to draws, which was a great outcome for us. But Orlando somehow pulled off that late game winner. And we we have the same exact amount of points, the same exact record, 10, 10, and 6. The difference is goal differential. Miami cannot seem to win a game by more than one goal. There has only been one game all season that we win by more than one goal. You know what game that was? What game is that? When we beat the Red Bulls 2-0. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I was just looking at that game. So we beat the Red Bulls 2-0 the only time we've won a game by more. So every time we win a game, our goal differential keeps going down by one, which is brutal. Now, Orlando has a goal differential of seven. We have a goal differential of eight. If this upcoming week we manage to win our game by more than one goal, and even if Orlando wins their game by one, all we need to do is to beat our opponent by I'm one sorry. more goal than Orlando beats theirs, and all of a sudden we jump Orlando. So yeah. we're in the driver's seat in some aspects of, of our playoff position. Well, and, and you're bringing up, you know, the standings, and, and we're going to talk about the preview against the New York, the New York Red Bulls, um, but those numbers definitely matter a lot. I mean, we still got a tight race as far as the standings are concerned. Um, you know, we're, we're stuck in the middle of a bunch where you have Columbus crew is still sort of being a gnat. Uh, you got New England that's two points behind. Uh, you got Cincinnati sitting in the same spot, which, oh, my God, this Cincinnati just kills me, man. Just seeing them that there. Game? Yeah, man. It, just seeing them sort of be competitive. I don't know, man. I just I don't like it. They're scary offensively, too. I would want to play them in the playoffs. Really, man? I don't know. Every time every time somebody oh. talks positively about Cincinnati, I just think about that game that we had against them that we really gave that up. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we gave it up, and their defense was sorry, but they, they picked up Misaka. I forget how to pronounce this guy's name. Miazga? Miazga? Oh, that, no. sounds, that sounds close enough. No, it's not. It really <laughs> not but I, I'm not sure why I'm, I'm, I'm slipping on his name, but, uh, you know, he's helped sure up their defense. He won. He was on the team of the week with Lowe this week as a center back. Um, I wouldn't want to play with Cincinnati, but, you know, I will tell you, now that we're talking about this, I feel pretty good. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. I feel like it's about time that we can start talking about playoffs, right? We're in the playoffs. I feel like we have a great chance of making it. And I know some people are like, yeah, we'll make it. Let's, let's sneak into the seventh. I'm not thinking seventh seed. No. I'm thinking top four. I'm thinking home playoff game. And some people might think that I'm a little crazy to think this way. But I really don't think I am. If you look at the standings, who's in fourth place? The Red Bulls. The Red Bulls. They are five points ahead of us. But yeah. guess what? One, we play them. So let's say hypothetically we win. We now have 39 points. They still have 41. And guess what? We have we one have game. The they, they, they've played one more game than we have. Yeah. So let's say we play that extra game and we win that game. All of a sudden, we have 42 points. They have yeah. 41. We are in position 
to have a pro home playoff game. Obviously, I don't expect us to win every game from here to the end of the season. But I don't think that it's something that we could just be like, no, it's not going to happen. It, it's yeah. a possibility. We have a chance to pl- have a home playoff game this year. So I, I think that if we win, only if we win, if we win on Saturday, we could have serious conversations about the possibility of hosting our first ever playoff game. And and you also and you also mentioned something about NYCFC that that sort of stood out as well. Ah, uh, yeah, but they they were on a on a downfall, but they managed to to win two zero this weekend, which completely ruined everything. Goddamn bastards! Well, <laughs> and I noticed they beat Chicago two to zero. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean they, they lost. They ruined uh, it. They lost the week before. They lost the game before, um, and then they also lost to us. Uh, I, yeah, I mean I could see them making a turnaround, but I mean. You know, they're not going to make a turnaround, but but it, if they they win another two games, three games, it's going to be very difficult to catch them. Well, yeah, and I noticed that talking about the Red Bulls, I'm looking at their schedule recently, and in their recent games, they scored one goal against Cincinnati, then they scored two goals against Atlanta, one goal they scored zero against Orlando, they scored zero against DC, they scored four goals against Colorado. But lost. Okay. Okay. Let, 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 let's. Uh, Colorado, I'm assuming, was the furthest from those. So, in all those last couple of games, I hadn't looked at that. DC United gave up six goals this past weekend. DC United is the worst defensive team in the league. By, it's the worst team in the league by far. Yeah. If you can't score against DC United, you suck. Yeah. You so, don't. so. You just made me feel so much better about this upcoming week, because you said they couldn't score against them. They couldn't score against Orlando. No. What other crappy team did they have trouble with? Uh, I mean, they had. I mean, they lost completely to Colorado, but that was high scoring, five four. Uh, they struggled against Cincinnati, one one. They ended with in Cincinnati's. It's another horrible defense. Now I will tell you, the Red Bulls have a good defense. But you know, but what's standing out to me looking at their recent games, because even before that, they scored one goal against Orlando. They scored four goals against Austin, which is granted that's going to be a high scoring game. They scored zero against NYC uh, and, you know, uh, New NYC York City. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about a lot of low scoring games. So they're sort of taking the trajectory down as far as offense is concerned. And we have been going up in our offensive play. So I feel like that's going to play a huge factor and on top of that one thing i want to mention before you get to your point is Mm -hmm. that uh when they're playing at home they have a worse record at home than they do when they play away when they they play away i swear to god this isn't a typo when they play away i I need need to verify this when they play okay and i'll go ahead and filibuster while you get to that the new york rebels away are eight three and three and at home, they are three, three five, five, and five. five. Oh, shit. Look at so that. look at that. They play worse in front of their home crowd than they do when they're away. <laughs> That's because they play in New Jersey. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> um, well, so, it's better than playing in the sandcastles. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because NYCFC, you know that their rivals are the Red Bulls, and they play some home games in Red Bull Stadium. That is weird stuff, man. Because because the whole schedule conflict with the Yankees. With the Yankees, yep. 
it's it's sad it's 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 a sad situation anyway um so the red bulls so i like to look into the stats right obviously uh, i'm a a numbers guy so i was looking at the red bulls and i like to see some things that stand out to me now i had something stand out to me and i'm not really sure what it means but i'm gonna put it out there anyway yeah so the there's a stat that keeps track of how many passes are completed by team right the team with the most touches, the most passes, is NYCFC with 11,014. Okay. So to keep in context, from first place to 18th place, which is us, we're in 18th, is 9,022 passes. So it's a That's difference about 1,000. So it's a difference about 2,000 passes from first to 18th. I mean, it's a lot, but the Red Bulls are in last place. Okay. The Red Bulls have 5,944 completed passes. <laughs> Everybody's a ball hog. I, I, don't, I don't know. Is Lewis Morgan just running up and down the field with the ball? Like, I haven't <laughs> watched the Red Bulls this year. I don't know what to make of this stat. Also, they are the worst as far as passing percentages. They don't complete their passes. So they have the like, lowest pass, the lowest pass amounts and the lowest, lowest percentage. percentage yes yes which and means they're so, terrible so, in passing the highest is 86 percent uh I, I figured if it was houston i forgot what team it was we're 82.2 we're somewhere in the middle there's 69 percent so we could have mannequins so, playing defense is what you're saying I, no I, that's not what i'm saying because <laughs> they're the fourth seed in the east they're doing something like I, like i said they're a good defensive team and Lewis Morgan is a baller, but is yeah. he just running around? Is he Emerson it? Like, is he doing like the Emerson and just running and taking everybody out by himself? Because I'm not sure how they're doing so well in the standings when they don't pass the ball. They got an Emerson slash Mota hybrid out there. I, 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 I don't know. Like, I was looking at that stat and I'm thinking to myself, let me try to make some sense of this. Are they just countering? Are they just allowing the other team to bring the ball up? And then I guess they just play the counter all the time because it makes no sense to me how you have completed less than 6,000 passes, your last place in the league, and you've played the most games because 27 is the most amount of games that any other team has played. It just doesn't make sense to me. So I'm kind of curious to see them on the field. Well, and and the only the only th- the only thing I can really consider is, I mean, what's like the percentage in terms of, you know, uh, their shots, their shot selection, are they accurate shots taken? They, they are. Yes, I looked that up also. They are one of the the most accurate teams when they do get sh- scoring opportunities, and they've also scored the most penalty goals of any team in the league. Also, well, they got a player that's um, they got Long and Linares that are above seventy percent in passing. I mean, you know, I, I believe that there's so, more... Aaron Long is their center back. I don't know who the Linares guy is. Yeah, Linares, uh, Linares, who plays for for Red Bulls, he is a midfielder. Uh, Lucas Lima Linares, and so those are the guys that have, I guess, the highest percentage in terms of passing. Um, but that's one thing I would consider is are they taking good shots? Are they taking a lot of shots? Apparently they do take good shots because they do have one of the higher percentages as far as shots on goal. Like sh- uh, when shots taken and shots on goal, they have one of the highest percentages. Um, but I, I don't know how they get up there is my question. Like how 
does Lewis Morgan pick the ball up? Like he takes it straight out of the goalkeeper's hands and just dribbles it <laughs> all the line way line to line. Like it may, like how do you have less than six thousand passes completed, twenty seven games of the season when the league leader is eleven thousand and eighteenth place is nine thousand and you're under six thousand? Like it's it's again, it's a stat that had me like. I, I looked it up while I was doing cardio, and I'm sta- I'm just walking on the treadmill looking at this, and I'm like, I can't make sense of this. I need to watch this team play because it makes no sense to me what they're doing on offense. I think the, the second least is like 7,000. Like, they are really far, in a way, the worst <laughs> team. Is bad. It, it makes no sense. It makes no it, sense to me. It doesn't make any sense. And what, what the crazy part is in talking about the Red Bulls, <laughs> is that they have a lot of goals scored. You know, they have 41 goals scored. We have 34, um, you know. Well, they also score a lot of goals from outside the box. I think they're third in the league. with third. So we're playing another Toronto, another bunch of Motas. Third in the league with goals outside the box, which makes sense because they're not passing it into the box. Exactly. Just, <laughs> Lewis Morgan is running up and just shooting from outside the box. They have the most penalty goals scored off of penalty kicks. So, I mean – they don't really create inside the box, I guess, too much. I don't know. Well, they I guess they play like me when I play FIFA. So I just take <laughs> I just take Neymar or whoever's got high pace and just run them from, from line to line. That's exactly what it sounds like. That's what it sounds like. So all right, so let's get into it. So the Red Bulls, they apparently can't pass, but they're a horrible home team. We're streaking right now, but we're not the best home team, even though the last two road games we came out with four points. Even though we traveled like a billion miles in a matter of yeah. like four days, so what are you thinking, Chris? Give me your prediction. You know, the last time that we played the Red Bulls, we won two zero. That's at home. Um, I mean, just considering the fact that the Red Bulls are terrible at home, uh, I think that this could be like a three one sort of game. Uh, I I was gonna go with the two one, but I feel like they're doing really bad at home. And so I think that going 3-1 is a comfortable number. Okay. Um, I I could see 3-1. I think we're going to win. That I, I feel pretty confident that we're streaking, and I feel like the Red Bulls are hitting a rough patch in their season. Uh, I still can't make sense of that passing stat, hmm. but I think that, that Pozuelo is going to hold down the midfield. I think he's going to have a good game. I, I think that we could put up – two, three goals, like you said. I'm with you. I say 3-1 also. I say we win 3-1. And we win 3-1. And once we get this W, I think we start talking home playoffs. Yeah. Home playoff game. Which, by the way, I have a question for you now that we're talking home playoff games. For those of you that don't know, Chris's son, Jose, is undefeated when watching Inter Miami at home. So the question begs to answer. Do you take with your second ticket, Jose, the good luck charm, or your wife? Because there's a good chance that tickets might be sold out for the first ever home playoff game for Inter Miami, so they're not going to be easy to come by. Oh no, I'm taking I'm taking my son. We need the dub. We need the dub. <laughs> she's she's going to have to watch from home. Pull up the app. Watch from home, babe. Sorry. There you go. There you go. Uh, well, I mean, I, I, I really do think that if we get a home playoff game, that stadium is going to be wild because Miami may not be a great sports town, but it's a great event town. And yeah. once they hear that it's the first ever playoff game at home, 
that stadium will be rocking. Liddy, Liddy. Yes, sir. So, anything else before we sign off, Chris? I just want to say that we're going to win this game. And after that, we got Columbus, who we're going to freaking destroy. I don't know if we're going to destroy them, but I'm looking for I'm looking forward to the next series of games. Rebels first. I can't wait to see that game. I can't wait. Well, we get to see Lewis Morgan, and I feel really bad because your son likes Lewis Morgan. Yes, and he was yeah. with us. He, he was the best player on our team. I felt the first two seasons that we were that he was with Inter Miami. I'm not. Sh- I mean, he just didn't fit in Phil Neville's the whole playing the wing back. Lewis Morgan having to come back to play defense, and that just wasn't Lewis Morgan's game. Leave him up top, and he'll create. It I just didn't fit, unfortunately. But I would love to still have Lewis Morgan on this team. You know, one thing I want to do at some point in the future is I want to talk a little bit about some of the players that are no longer with us, like Lewis Morgan, and sort of try to pick at why he isn't with us. You know, what is it that well, he? Well, I feel I think that's what it was. I, Phil Neville came in, and he likes playing the wing back, like you've seen all season with Yellen and Robert Taylor. Robert Taylor isn't a defender. But he's coming back as a wingback and defending. And he's running up and down the sidelines all game long. Jetlin's yeah. a maniac running back and forth. Yes, Lewis yes. Morgan isn't Lewis Morgan isn't that guy. No, he, I don't think not, he's, he's that guy. So and he doesn't have I don't think he had the pace for it either. So he just didn't fit Phil Neville's philosophy. But I mean, because Phil Neville's finally made things kind of click and work, I can't really criticize him because I feel like things are finally you know, working and, and we just gotta move on with it. It just I just hate to see Robert Morgan playing so I'm sorry, Lewis Morgan playing so well for uh, the Red Bulls. It is. It sucks. It's bittersweet to see that, but you know, I guess he's their, it's good he's their for leading him. goal scorer. He's their leading goal scorer and assist. So well, I mean, I guess he has to pass to himself with the amount of passing that they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. It doesn't count because he's passing it to himself. Yeah. I, I, we got to make sense of that. I can't wait to watch that game because I need to make sense of this this yes. weird-ass stat. Yes. All right, well, if, with nothing else, we leave you with this. Just remember, you got to believe. I believe that we, I believe that we, I believe that we.